Well, hello, everyone. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. You know, I was looking back over the past few teachings, and I know I kind of took a long break over the summer, and we've been we've been focused heavily on healing. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, we went through a healing journey in our house, as I've described. And then my church, Grace Family Church in Tampa, started through... Pastors Doug uh, Hinders and Dale Brooks and Rosan Hussein, uh, they started this prayer and healing school on Wednesday nights that I've been blessed to be a part of, and it's and it's just been wonderful. It's it's really been a great great class. So thankful that the leadership at Grace uh, allowed all of us to do this class and continue to do it, and it's really it's really just wonderful to to be able to continue to minister healing and to teach healing and that's really kept me thinking about healing a lot and because grace is a very large church i mean i don't even know i mean it's got to have an excess of 10,000 members over i don't know six or seven locations every few months they open a new one it's amazing praise the lord but uh there's so many people and there are so many needs and just unfortunately, there there are a lot of people that are going through healing journeys, healing struggles, and and so we we spend a lot of time talking about that, thinking about that, praying for people, and it's been a wonderful class, but but it's also really kept both healing and sickness at the forefront of my mind because we meet you know every Wednesdays in the fall and in the spring, and so. You know, we're going to start looking at other subjects, uh, you know, in a, in a variety of ways and try to move away from healing a little bit. But it's definitely an extremely important subject because of just the amount of sickness and disease in the earth today. And, you know, we were all forced to think about this with COVID-19, you know, and think about sickness in general more than ever before. But but what I have become convinced of is that, as I've said many times, that truly the healing power of God is available for everyone who will seek it. And the Bible teaches us how the healing power of God will flow or how it will be transferred into your physical bodies. And the Bible teaches us how we can be healed in this situation where there's just chronic sickness and disease that millions of people are suffering from throughout the world. It is not God's will at all. And the same is true of widespread and rampant poverty. I mean, that is absolutely not God's will that that millions of people, if not, you know, a billion or more, would be suffering from significant poverty and famine and disease and all of these terrible things. And and I believe that the Bible holds the answers. I mean, I don't have enough to eat and enough money and good physical health because I'm special or because God loves me more than anyone. That's not true at all. The Bible is very clear, especially in the New Testament, that God is no respecter of persons. Fortunately, I grew up in a Christian home and, and you know, learning the systems, the ways, the thoughts of God through, excuse me, the thoughts of God through his word and, you know, really learning how to succeed in life according to the Bible and according to what God wants us to do. Unfortunately, it's not automatic, 
But, you know, the, the promises of God are just as available for every Christian in any nation as they are for me. And God loves every single Christian as much as he loves the others. He loves every Christian as much as he loves Jesus. I believe that's John seventeen twenty three. Just a fascinating reality. And, and when Jesus uh, obtained the promises, you know, when he became entitled to all of God's promises through his perfection, that was done for all of us. And we've all been given great and precious promises now. And all the promises of God are yes and amen to us in Christ. And it brings God glory when we receive his promises into our life. And so I think about, you know, what what I want to do or what I want to talk about or how I want to help people. You know, I just want to help people get all that God has provided for them. I want to see Christians walking in the promises of God and in, in all the wisdom and abundance and power that God has made available to us through his word, through his Holy Spirit, through the indwelling. Anyway, you know, we can kind of go on and on about that, and I'm sure we will. But, you know, there is so much out there for us. There is so much available to us if we will draw closer to God and learn his ways. And anyway, I'm going to I'm going to digress. But today I want to talk about this this concept of the period of time between prayer and when you actually see the answer to your prayer show up in the physical realm. So we were talking last week and and let me just say this is not healing specific. This this can apply to to really anything that you are praying about. And maybe I'll share a few testimonies uh, while we're while we're talking here. But so last week we talked about how to really receive the healing power of God into your bodies. And we talked about how there can be a period of time between when you pray and then when you see the answer to prayer show up. And it's during that period of time that you really need to be staying in faith. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises. And so let's just go back to my headache example. If I have a headache and I pray for my head, but then when my prayer is over, my head still hurts, it's very common for people to think, well, well, that didn't work or, oh, man, you know, I guess that's not going to work. Maybe I should call the doctor or uh, maybe I should go take a pill or something like that. Just again, just to say it, I don't have any problem with doctors or pills. But we're talking about the operation of faith and the operation of the power of God. So sometimes when you pray and then you don't feel better instantly, you're you're naturally tempted to think, well, this didn't work. But rather what we learn now is that the Bible teaches us that, that it's quite possible that there can be a period of time between when we pray and when we see the physical manifestation of the answer to that prayer. And that's why the fig tree story, when Jesus cursed the fig tree, but that that death of that fig tree wasn't really apparent in the physical realm until the next day. Uh, you know, there can be that period of time. And so we need to stand in faith. We need to be willing to stand in faith over a period of time. Because when we are in faith, the power of God is flowing. And let me just mention, there's a passage in Daniel where Daniel talks, or excuse me, Daniel prays and then he has this interaction with this angel. And the angel says, look, your prayer was heard the moment you prayed it. 
but I was resisted by an unclean spirit for, I believe, 21 days. And so, you know, I had to do battle with this unclean spirit for 21 days before I could appear to you. Now, that's a conversation between an angel and the prophet Daniel that occurs in the, pro in the book of Daniel, which is a relatively short book. You can find that for yourself. I don't have the citation right here. But that's another great example of how, you know, when we pray, our prayers are heard instantly. The moment we pray, there's also that verse in 1 John, where this is the confidence we have that anything we ask according to his will is done for us and God hears us. So, you know, that 1 John passage really echoes what the angel tells Daniel, that the moment we pray, God has heard our prayers. But then we see throughout the word of God that there can be this period of time. And in some parts of our life, that period of time can be very difficult. And healing is a good example. When we've prayed to see pain go or sickness leave or something like that, but it hasn't shown up yet, we're tempted to think it didn't work. And it can be very difficult to then believe that it actually worked, to stand in faith that it's done when you haven't seen any physical manifestation. Now, Let's just look at a couple of other aspects of this discussion. When you pray for something like salvation, there's never going to be any physical manifestation. No one's ever going to you know, present you with your ticket to heaven. You're never going to see the Holy Spirit physically residing inside your body. You're never going to have any physical evidence of any kind that you are in fact saved. Now, isn't that a fascinating truth? But what do we get? You know, the Bible kind of gives us some guidance. We get a peace, a peace in our hearts, an assurance that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved, that when I my body dies, I'm going to go to a place that no one's ever seen with their natural eyes. I'm going to see a God uh, that I've never seen. I'm going to meet his son, Jesus and all of these amazing things that I believe, but I've never seen, well, I'm going to see them at that time. But I'm never going to have any physical evidence of this salvation, but that's okay. I have this peace in my heart. And see, that's really a great mindset that we need to get in our prayer life, that that when I pray, I may not immediately see the answer to my prayer show up in the natural realm and that's okay. When you think about some of the other prayers you might pray, like say, for example, you're praying for the salvation of a loved one, or uh, you're praying for a new job, or you're praying for some other situation in the natural realm, right? It, it, it's almost like our minds know, even without thinking, even though maybe we've never even discussed this, but our minds recognize that we're not going to see a physical manifestation of this instantly. I think, you know, for an example, what if you pray for a new job? I mean, look, that would be amazing if the phone rang the second you said amen and there was, you know, somebody with a great new job for you. But, you know, and that'd be wonderful. But most people understand that that's not going to happen, that it might take a few days, that it might be some time. Same with the salvation for a loved one. You know, not only might there need to be some time for God to draw that loved one, uh, that loved one's heart, which is what the Bible says, you know, that God draws the hearts of people toward him. 
But, you know, that we also are supposed to pray to send laborers. So, uh, you know, I think about I, I think about one of my siblings right now who's, uh, you know, I believe he's 14 years younger than I am. I have a bunch of half siblings and he is now really, you know, for the first time in his life, truly on fire for God. And, you know, I know that he's had a lot of people praying for him over these years that, that, you know, in many ways they stood in faith for him and his destiny and his future for years. And now we see him, you know, approaching the things of God with a zeal and a passion. And, and that's really an awesome thing. But so my point is, you know, sometimes there's this period of time and that's okay. There's there's nothing that just really drags our mind down out of the realms of faith just because we haven't seen something happen instantly in certain areas. But there are other areas when we pray, especially healing, where if we don't see a physical manifestation Instantly, we're tempted to think that it didn't work. And and my gosh, just saying these things, isn't this a fascinating subject that that we take it for granted that maybe it didn't work if a healing prayer doesn't show up, that answer doesn't show up instantly. But in so many other areas of our life, we really wouldn't even expect it to show up instantly. Anyway, I don't know. I could go on about this, but I, I just think we're hitting something that's very interesting here. So anyway, but be that as it may, whether we're talking about a job or a new uh, a healing or the salvation of a loved one or many, many other things, there can be a period of time between when you pray and when you see that thing show up in the natural realm. And today I want to talk about that and I want to look at uh, a, some guide, some guidance, really, for what we should do in that period of time. Because again, and I and I think the point I'm about to make, I really believe, is extremely important. And the point is this: that that when we are believing God for whatever, for whatever you are believing God for, our job is faith. We cannot make a miracle happen. Yes, we have the miracle working power of God inside of us when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But it, but it's not like my power, right? And I don't have the ability to just physically make that power flow. No, I have to use spiritual principles and spiritual methods and then trust that God is going to activate the supernatural results, the manifestation of that when I'm doing what I know to do, when I'm laying hands on the sick, when I'm praying in faith, when I'm doing my part to exercise authority, to lay hands, to stand in faith, then then God's going to show up and do his part. So, so, but I need to stay in faith that it's done. And we won't rehash that again. Please listen to last week if you'd like, you know, to really dive deeply on that subject. But after I pray, I need to stay in faith that it's done. No, God heard me and this thing is done. And soon enough, I will see it in the natural realm. But it's done now. And in certain circumstances, it can be very difficult to stay in that place of faith when the thing is not showing up in the natural. But that's our job. 
our job is to stay in that place of faith. Because when we are in that place of faith, that we know that we know that we know that it's done, that's when the power is flowing between the spiritual realm and the natural realm to bring that thing into manifestation. Because remember what is fundamentally going on when you pray. And this is true whether you use authority, whether you use power, whether you make a request to God in the name of Jesus. Fundamentally, in all of these operations, we are asking for the spiritual realm to produce a supernatural manifestation in the physical realm. So we are trying to get something in the seen realm from the unseen realm. Now, that's a fascinating reality, but that's really what we're doing. And, and you know, we can we could look, we won't, but we could look at some of the, vase, uh, the verses that talk about the difference between the seen realm and the unseen realm. And that, in fact, everything that was made in the seen realm, every single thing in the seen physical realm was produced from things that are in the unseen realm. So what I'm talking about today, the production of something in the physical realm from a substance or God himself or his power in the unseen realm, well, that's actually not a radical concept. It's a biblical concept, and it's, it's something that the Bible talks about. And so when we come into prayer, or the exercise of our authority, again, or the exercise of the dunamis power given to us by God, again, we are looking to operate on the same level, that we want to see something in the seen realm produced from the unseen realm. Fascinating, wonderful. But our job is faith. Our job is believing that it's done. Our job is is believing that it's done even before we can see it in the natural realm which is tough. So so let's talk about that period of time. Now let's say uh let's say you've prayed for a new job. And uh not to not to you know if you ever wanted to google something about this there's a pastor in Chicago named Bill Winston and he talks about how when he went to Bible school I believe ORU in Oklahoma he had worked at IBM and his wife had as well selling computers. So they moved to Oklahoma, I believe, for him to go to ORU. And she needs a job because he's going to be at Oral Roberts University. And and so they use their faith and and she ends up getting this amazing, out of nowhere, miraculous job in computers. So if you if you ever wanted to Google like Bill Winston, wife, job, computer, something like that, you could probably find that story. But so we'll we'll use that for example, right? Let's say you're gonna pray for a new job. You're gonna ask God for a new job. And I could give you verses on that. When God says, I'll supply all your need according to who uh but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, which is in Philippians chapter four, I believe that uh, one of the definitions of the word need could be employment or thing you put to use that which I employ thing I put to use. But employment is a reasonable uh, translation of that word for need. And so, you know, my God will supply my employment. 
uh, Ephesians 2.10. God has created me in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has planned beforehand. God has good works for me. So there are lots of verses you could stand on that, that, would, that would absolutely qualify as a promise of God for your employment. So you need a new job. You've prayed for that new job. You're standing on a promise. You're doing all of the faith activities that we talked about a week ago. And so we'd say, all right, so what do I do now? What do I do while I'm in this place? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that I'm, that I'm in faith, that I'm truly in faith. And remember that I will know I'm in faith for my job, for my healing, for my um, salvation, whatever it is, when I truly feel the rest and the peace of God in my heart. Hebrews 4, 3, for we which have believed do enter rest. And then Hebrews 4, 11 gives us another you know, important idea. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Now, of course, this passage in Hebrews 4 in general is talking about salvation, but the points about faith apply to the operation of faith for anything you want from God. So when I have now prayed for my new job, I'll know that I'm truly in faith when I feel a rest or a peace about that situation. I know that I've got it. I may not see it in the natural realm, but I know that this that the promise of God supplied this for me and I know that I've got it. Now, now as the days go by, and you haven't received that phone call or you haven't found that situation or maybe you didn't get a job that you were uh, applying for, for example, it can be very difficult to stay in that place of peace. And if you've really got significant financial pressures, it can be very difficult to even enter that place of peace at all. But notice it says, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. When your head is screaming in pain and you've prayed for healing and you still feel it, man, it can be tough to enter the rest of faith. So we need to labor to enter that rest. And that's kind of what I was talking about last week when I was talking about, you know, use your confession, uh, uh, confess the promises, war over those promises, right? I'm laboring to enter the rest. And remember, Romans ten seventeen says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So as I hear that promise for my head, for my job, for whatever it may be, as I hear that promise again and again and again, that faith rises. And as I'm confessing, God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God is uh, created me in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has planned, planned for me. God has prepared good works for me. I have good works from God. In Jesus' name, I have a good job from God, right? I'm laboring to enter into faith. I'm laboring to enter into that rest. And you get to a point where you just know that it's done. There's no physical evidence yet, but you know that it's done. And I don't want to talk too much about it because we, again, we covered it last week. But, but remember that that's what we're trying to do. And Hebrews 10.23, I'll just uh, remind us, let us hold fast 
the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Even if we're in a period of time between when we prayed and when we see that thing show up, we need to hold fast to our faith. We need to be patient. We need to be steadfast. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises. And God is the one who made the promise. And what does it say? He is faithful. He who made these promises to you is faithful for you to see the physical manifestation. God didn't make you all these promises in his wonderful word just so you can want them the rest of your life. Just so you can go through life wanting them and, and every time you read about them, man, that'd be nice. That'd be great. No, no, that's not at all. He is faithful to bring you these promises, to help you obtain these promises, because it brings him glory. For all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ, you know, unto the glory of God. The promises bring him glory. But we must use our faith to inherit the promises. Faith and patience, we obtain the promises. So I've got my promise for my job, and I am going to labor now in the word, confessing that promise, and I'm going to enter rest. And let's just agree that it's not always the easiest thing to do. Just very briefly, I had a situation in my own life a couple of weeks ago where something came up and there was temptation to fear. There was temptation to worry. There was temptation to get upset. And, and so, you know, fortunately doing the right thing, I started off in a pretty good place and I spent real time confessing the word, praying in tongues, walking my dog up and down Linebaugh, uh, and praying and getting myself in the place. And you know, one day I can still see it. I'm walking down Linebaugh. I'm headed east. Uh, my dog's there with me. And, and I knew that the Lord said to me, this thing is done. And it was and it was a wonderful moment because what he was saying is, look, you don't need to be worried about this. You don't need to be, uh, you know, anxious about this. You've prayed it through. You've prayed enough. You're in faith. Uh, and this thing is done. And it was. It was, I think, four or five more days before there was any kind of answer or, you know, manifestation. But I knew that I had it. I knew it was done, and sure enough, when when we finally, you know, word finally came, yeah, the thing was done. It was it was nothing, and and praise the Lord. So anyway, but that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to pray and make sure that we're truly in that place of faith, in that place of rest, while we're waiting. Because while we're in that place of faith, the power is flowing for our manifestation. I'll give you another thing that I think is a really good idea and something that we should do that helps keep our mind focused on the promises of God during this time. And that's really be aggressive in thanksgiving. And Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which trans all transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a fascinating verse, especially in the light of all that we've been discussing. But when you bring your situation to God, it can be very difficult to have peace, especially if the storm in your life is raging. 
But what this is telling us then is that, you know, you can get to the place where even though there's no physical manifestation, even though in the natural, it seems like you should be freaking out. There is a peace of God which transcends all understanding. And that peace will guard your hearts and your minds. Your head is still hurting. You still don't have the job. The financial pressures are mounting. There's all sorts of things in the natural realms that say, no, you didn't get it. But when you enter into faith, they which have believed do enter rest. And what's going to happen when you enter rest? The peace of God which transcends all understanding is going to guard your heart and your mind. Man, look, I gotta be honest with you. I don't know exactly how I know because my ankle still hurts, my head still hurts, my bank account still is empty, but man, I know in that I've got it. God is faithful. He promised that he would supply all my needs. He promised that he would supply all my employment. He told me by Jesus' stripes I was healed. I know that I've got it. And man, when you feel that peace, when you feel that rest, it's a, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful feeling knowing that your manifestation is on the way. Another thing that I would do, well, to just to emphasize it again, it says by prayer and paint petition with thanksgiving. That's the way we really want to operate. Thank you, God, for my new job. Thank you, God, that I'm healed. Thank you, God, that this thing is done. Thank you, God, that you supply all my needs. You see, you're thanking him that it's done even before there's any physical evidence. But that thankfulness keeps your mind focused on the fact that it's done. God, I'm not waiting to thank you when it shows up. I believe it's it's here already. I believe it's done already. So I'm thanking you now. Thanksgiving is actually a great thing to do and a great part of the faith process to keep you focused on the fact that it's already done. Thank you, Father. It's already done. Worship. Worship is the next thing that I would definitely spend a lot of time doing. And Personally, let me just say this. I have a lot of thoughts about worship that maybe I can't necessarily find a great verse for. Let me read you one very powerful verse. This is Psalms 1, excuse me, Psalms 100 verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. You see, when we worship we come into the presence of God in really a different way. Now, you know, we don't want to get in the weeds too much. You see, we're, we're constantly in the presence of God. As Christians, we have the constant indwelling with the Holy Spirit. We have a constant union between our spirit and the spirit of God. We are never outside of the presence of God. But there's something that happens when we begin to worship, and I believe it's really the idea of focusing our mind uh, on God, that's part of it, but it's also tuning our entire being into him and into his frequency and truly opening up a channel between the natural realm and the spirit realm in which we can hear God 
clearly and in which we can really just experience an almost a different dimension of God. Now, look, I mean, this sounds a little hokey. This sounds crazy. But candidly, that is what I believe that 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 worship. And I believe the same really about speaking in tongues. And, and there are some other things maybe as well. But but fundamentally, worship and praying in tongues truly do create a bridge between the natural and the spiritual realm that, that can really open us up to the spirituality and the spiritual realities of God in just fascinating ways. And I, and I'm, I'm going to be honest, I don't, I don't have great verses to, to show you that. I've got a lot of awesome verses on worship. I've got a lot of awesome verses on praying in tongues. I don't know that they would say exactly what I'm describing here, but, but let me just read you a couple of, of quick passages because Sounds to me like worship can certainly, you know, open a door to some powerful moves of God. This is Acts 16, 25 through 26. Paul and Silas, they're in jail. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. You know, I don't, I would love to, to read the commentary of heaven on that verse, you know, exactly what was happening there. You know, I mean, there's no way we could say with any certainty all of the things that were happening. But what we can say is that through the prayer and praise, Paul and Silas opened a channel to receive a miraculous power of God that that literally opened the doors for their freedom. And man, oh man, we could really, we could kind of go on and on about that. Is this metaphorical? Won't prayer and praise open the doors to our freedom from anything that would hold us in bondage? Not just physical uh, incarceration or physical bondages, but yeah, prayer and praise will get you out of addiction. It will get you out of, of mental dependencies. It will get you out of all sorts of things that will hold you in bondage. Because when you're praying and when you're praising, man, the power of God starts moving on your behalf. Let's look at Second Chronicles 20, 21 through 22. And, and it's talking about King, I believe it's King Jehoshaphat. And when, and let me just, just be a background. So the King Jehoshaphat's king of Judah, and now they have a serious threat from an enemy. And it says, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against their enemies, and they were smitten. My friends, remember that we said that when we are praying, what we are trying to do is see a physical manifestation that's resulting from a spiritual power. We want to see something show up in the seen realm that was really birthed in the unseen realm. We want something to happen in the natural realm that has its origin in the spiritual realm. That's a fascinating, fascinating thought. Sorry, I'm overusing that word today, but we're just talking about some cool stuff here. So there are things that we can do in this process to protect this process, to keep us in faith 
where that power is flowing, but also to really be operating our part, to do our part in the spiritual realm. And, and so worship is one of these activities that we can do along with thanksgiving, along with prayer, along with confession. It's something that we should be doing while we are in the place of faith before we've seen the manifestation of what we're believing for. So, so far we have confession to make sure we're in that place of faith, to make sure we're at peace and rest. And we've seen thanksgiving and praise and worship. Now let's talk about praying in the spirit or praying in tongues. And let me just say, I I do believe the biblical definition of praying in the spirit is praying in tongues. Now, there are definitely other operations where the Holy Spirit will lead you to pray, even in your natural language. Uh, I'm on the prayer team at church and, and, you know, half the time people come up. That's what I'm looking for more than anything. What is the spirit of God leading me to pray? And I don't pray for them in tongues. I mean, if, if you did that, I'm not throwing stones. Maybe there's a time for that, but I mean, I don't. I'm praying for them in their natural language. And But what I'm looking for is the Holy Spirit to guide my words, to bring comfort to these people, to bring edification to these people, but also so that they've come up for prayer. We can pray the prayer of agreement over whatever situation they might be going through. So in that sense, I'm really asking the Holy Spirit to pray through me and to guide my words. But praying in the Spirit, I believe the biblical definition of the specific term praying in the Spirit is praying in your personal prayer language. And we don't have time to dive deeply on that, but let's just suffice it to say that God wants every single Christian to have a personal prayer language. That's where you're speaking in an unknown tongue directly between you and God. It comes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's something that God has for us all. But praying in the Spirit is another wonderful activity that we should partake in while we are waiting for manifestation of our prayers. And so I'm going to read you a few verses here. This is Jude chapter 1 verse 20. But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So notice what he says. He says, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. This is suggesting a relationship between your faith and praying in the Holy Ghost, praying in the Spirit. That when you are praying in the Spirit, you are building yourself up in your faith and you are continuing to keep yourself in that place of faith. I think there's a very important and powerful relationship between praying in the Holy Spirit and being in the place of faith. Romans eight twenty six through 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. I highly recommend that you spend some time studying that 
verse because I believe it it really presents us with an amazing truth. And here's here's what I here's how I would interpret that verse. The Holy Spirit knows every single thing about God, and it knows every aspect of God's will. Now, those statements shouldn't come as a surprise, but why do we believe that? Well, we believe it because the Bible tells us so. And and 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is very clear that the Holy Spirit knows everything, even the deep things of God. So the Holy Spirit knows God's will for your life, but also God recognizes that we don't know everything in our natural minds. So what God has given us in praying in the spirit is he's given us a way that we can pray his perfect will. When we are praying in the spirit, in fact, the Holy Spirit in its union with our spirit, the Holy Spirit is praying God's perfect will for our lives. And it says it he, the spirit intercedes for us. You see, God wants you to have his will more than you want to have it. When you pray in the spirit, when you engage the spirit of God in prayer in that manner, literally God himself is praying for you. God himself is interceding for you according to his perfect will. Can we can we imagine I mean, can we even understand how wonderful and how powerful that is? That's why praying in the spirit, especially for long periods of time, is such a great idea. It's such a wonderful practice and it's something I believe in heavily. You see, I don't know in my natural mind right this second all of God's will for my life, all of what God's will for my life will be a few years from now, exactly what I should be praying out. You know, sometimes I'll go to walk the dog and pray and maybe you've been there and, you know, you think, man, what what should I be praying about right now? You know, maybe everything in your life is good or maybe you've already spent time praying about the situations in your life. We know what should we be praying about? What should we be concerned with? What does God want us to pray for? Well, as I pray in the spirit, God is literally praying the perfect prayer, interceding for me praying his perfect will. And it's not just for me necessarily. It might be for loved ones. It might be for you know other people in my life or other situations in the world. But God is praying the perfect prayer and interceding for us when we pray in the Spirit. Notice just 1 Corinthians 14.2. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. For no man understands him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. I just want to point out that this verse really tells us that there are different examples of praying in tongues. You see, there's a type of praying in tongues where other people miraculously hear in their own native language. That's what happened in the Acts chapter 2. Then there's another type of praying in tongues where you would pray in an unknown language in a in a group setting, but then there's somebody there to interpret. So in the first instance, everybody understands in their own language. And then the second instance, one person understands, and that's the interpreter. But in this situation, what this verse is describing is a situation where you are speaking in an unknown tongue, not to men, but to God. And nobody's going to understand you. There's no interpreter, and nobody's going to miraculously hear in their own language. 
You are speaking an unknown tongue that no one understands, and you are speaking it to God. My friends, that is the personal prayer language, and that is what God has for all of us to do. And in the Spirit, God is interceding through you, God is praying for you, and you are speaking the mysteries, the unknown things of God. And really just a wonderful, wonderful reality. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I'll pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding. So when I'm in this place where I'm standing in faith and I'm believing God for something, but I haven't seen it show up in the natural realm, I'm going to spend real time praying in an unknown tongue, praying in the spirit, and I'm going to worship in an unknown tongue. I'm going to worship in the spirit as well, because we've already talked about the importance of worship. And what this is saying is, look, I can combine all of the wonderful benefits of worship and all of the wonderful benefits of praying in the spirit. I can get uh, simultaneously, I can worship in the spirit. Now, look, I get it. There may be lots of you that have never worshiped in the spirit. I remember this good friend of mine, uh, when we'd be in church settings, he would immediately and loudly start worshiping in the spirit. Now he wasn't, I mean, he's gone home to be with the Lord now, just an awesome guy, but let's be honest, right? You know, that's not something you see every day. But anyway, it doesn't change the fact that worshiping in an unknown tongue or worshiping in the spirit is an extremely powerful thing to do, a wonderful thing to do, a biblically uh, described and blessed practice that we should be doing. I should be doing. I should do it more. But so while I'm waiting for manifestation, I'm going to sing in the spirit. I'm going to pray in the spirit. I'm going to be in thanksgiving. I'm going to be confessing my verse And, and, you know, I'm going to be doing these things that all really help keep me in the place of faith. Two more uh, or just a a few more things to mention. Resist the devil. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee for you. You know, we have to understand what the devil or what the unclean spirits are trying to do in our lives and look for ways to resist. Now, that can be very situation specific. But, you know, for me and my testimony about uh, when I really hurt my ankle, for me, believing God and resisting the devil involved getting up and hobbling around the house and cleaning it. And and so I hobbled and I cleaned and I cleaned and I confessed the word. And I I did that for, you know, an hour or so, probably a little more. And, And I began to receive a manifestation. I got totally and miraculously healed for what may have been a very significant industry. Uh, injury. I mean, if the pain was any indication, it was significant. So, so resist the devil. You know, you know, per- perhaps the devil's trying to drive a wedge between you and your child. And I know that there can be a wide spectrum of relationships with, with your children, but look, don't let the devil do that. Resist him. No matter, no matter how mad you are at your kid or how disappointed or how heartbroken, whatever it is, you don't stop praying for that kid. You don't stop treating that kid with love. You don't stop hugging. I mean, there's a powerful principle that I, I must have heard in a church setting somewhere, but is it hurt people, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people. 
And, and that's a very important principle. And I'm not sure where I heard it. And maybe it was just an idea I got from God, but they, that loved people, love people. So, you know, no matter what I'm going through with my kids, and they're still relatively young, but, but I'm going to love them. I'm going to resist whatever the devil's trying to do in their lives any way that I can. It doesn't mean I don't discipline them. It doesn't mean I give them whatever they want, but I'm going to resist what the devil's trying to do in my life or their lives. But no matter where I see this situation, you know, sometimes maybe the finances aren't, aren't what they used to be. I had a situation not long ago where I wasn't necessarily dying to maybe donate any money to a particular thing, but I knew it was the right thing to do. So the devil wants me to be cheap. The devil wants me to have a poverty mindset. The devil wants me to hold back. But I know that God wants me to sow bountifully and reap bountifully. God wants me to be a giver. God loves a cheerful giver. So I'm going to resist what the devil's trying to do. And I'm going to do what God wants me to do. All right, next point. I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do. Let me just say, without going too much trouble here, because we, we've looked at this, in John 2, verses 1 through 5, Jesus is at a wedding. And they run out of wine. And his mother says, come on, Jesus, help him out with the wine. And then Jesus kind of says no. But either way, his, his mom doesn't take no for an answer. And his mom, I mean, if you look at this, this is really what's happening here. His mom doesn't take no for an answer and goes right to the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. I mean, there's a lot going on there. But fundamentally, the mom is putting a faith demand on Jesus for some more wine. Uh, you know, anyway, where was the biblical promise for that? I, I don't know. Maybe it's somewhere. Who knows? But either way, you know what Jesus did? He gave her some wine. And the best wine the world has ever seen, most likely. But but either way, the key point is the his mother understood, do whatever he tells you to do. Because look, you need wine and God has wine. It's, it, has, it may be it's going to come straight out of the uh, unseen realm because that's what happened at that wedding, right? That water was supernaturally changed into wine. That's exactly what this process we've been talking about, where there's an unseen force brought the chemical compound of wine, whatever that may be, but an unseen force, an unseen power brought the chemical properties of wine straight from the unseen realm and into those barrels of water. That's exactly what happened. Remember, everything in the seen realm came from the unseen realm. So this is not shocking that it works like this. And Jesus, through his faith and his power and through uh, Mary's faith, they brought the chemical compound of wine from the unseen spirit realm into the natural realm. So much so that they bonded with the water in that jars, and that water became wine. That's amazing. I mean, that's I mean, that is just incredible. But but the point is, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever he tells you to do. This is one of the great messages from the Bible that is staring us in the face. When you want a supernatural result, when you want a miracle, when you want something to, to manifest from your prayers then it's very common for God 
to give you a direction that makes no sense. Remember, when Naaman the Syrian was looking for healing from leprosy, uh, I believe it was Elisha the prophet told him through a messenger, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. Doesn't make any sense. Jordan River doesn't have magical healing properties. And even Naaman says, not even that great of a river. But fortunately, he did it. His wise servant told him to do it. He did it. He got healed. God will frequently give us directions that in the natural make no sense. Another example of that principle, which I think you might enjoy just reading, is the story of Gideon. Gideon, uh, a man from a small family in a small tribe, leads the army of God against, or the army of the Israelites against the Midianites. They're in, uh, unbelievably outnumbered. And God repeatedly tells Gideon to reduce the size of his army. That is the opposite of what you would think he should do. But no, because Gideon, Gideon, Gideon didn't need a natural result. He needed supernatural. He needed a miracle. So it's very common for God to tell us to do something that may not make any sense, but but we're tapping in. We're opening a channel. We're opening a door for that healing power to flow, for that miracle power to flow, for that water making wine power to flow, whatever it is. That mount, you know, mountain wine healing headache, whatever. God tells you something to do, you do it. That's the key. So you stay tuned in, being praying in tongues, worshiping. Thank, thanking God, confessing your verse. All of these things are going to help you to stay tuned in. So when that direction comes, you do it. You hear it. And let me just say, because I think we've probably all been there, where we're, we're in a time, we're spending time with God, we're in the Word. That's another thing you should be doing during these times, you know, reading the Word. And, and we get this idea for something that might just not make any sense. You know, it could be really anything. Right. But you just do it. You just go for it. If you're in the presence of God, if you're praying, if you're worshiping, if you're thanking God, you need to trust that that God has brought you that communication. As long as it's not something sinful, he'll never tell you to do something sinful. But you need to trust God. You need to go for it. God's looking at your heart. And, you know, even if maybe you didn't get it quite right or you didn't hear quite right, God still sees your heart. So you need to step out in faith and do whatever you believe he tells you to do. It'd be nice if an angel showed up in your bedroom and, you know, like he did with Daniel and tell you exactly what you need to do. But you know what? That's that's probably not going to happen. We have the Holy Spirit now in a way that Daniel did not. And God can communicate with us in the way that he, you know, just did not communicate with most of the people in the Old Testament. And it's actually supposed to be a better communication method. We're literally out of our union with our spirit and God's spirit. We can know exactly what his will is. I mean, that's really the communication level that we're supposed to have with God. We're just so used to hearing things through our ears or reading things with our eyes. that We're not used to that spiritual communication level. But in fact, it's supposed to be better. It's supposed to be a clearer it's supposed to be the clearest possible communication method between God and one of his children and, and a, a born-again human is literally the, the direct impartation 
of knowledge or direction from the Holy Spirit. But maybe you'll get a dream, a vision. Maybe you'll see an angel. Maybe you'll get an audible voice of God. Hey, you know, praise God, whatever. You know, as long as it's a biblical communication method, which all of those are. Whatever God tells you to do, do it. Now, I want to give you one last one that I actually came across the other day, which I think this is a great verse. And we'll just read a small snippet. But this is Deuteronomy 7. And remember, in Deuteronomy, God's kind of talking to the people about, you know, you're going into the promised land and these are going to be your rules. And this is what you're going to need to do. And, you know, you're going to need to war and do all this stuff. But he says, he says, he's talking about the Israelites going into the promised land. Listen to this. If thou shalt say in your heart, these nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but you shall remember what the Lord your God did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. So you're going into a situation that in the natural looks impossible. There is no way I can drive the giants out of the promised land. That's what your mind says to you. There is no way I could ever be pronounced cancer free when the doctor says I have numerous tumors on numerous organs and I'm ready to die. There is no way that I could ever get out of this situation when, when literally I've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt and no job and I, you know, I can't even feed my kids. There's no way in the natural. That, that I could get out of this situation. This is what we're supposed to do. We are supposed to remember what the Lord our God has done before. You see, what's very interesting is a lot of the people that God was talking to right there, because remember, a whole generation died out in the wilderness. A lot of the people that God was talking to in that verse, they were not in Egypt. They were not there. They did not see with their own eyes. Most of the people probably in that passage that God was speaking to, most of those people were not in Egypt and they did not see what God has done. So they heard it from their parents. The principle is that you have a Bible filled with healing miracles and miraculous occurrences by the power of God that you can use to keep your mind in the place of faith. Look, remember... Remember when God healed the woman with the issue of blood. Remember when God healed the leopards. Remember when God healed the blind man. Remember when God healed the uh, the woman that had the, the major back problem. On and on and on we could go. Whatever disease you have, whatever situation you have, whatever struggle, whatever enemy, you can look to what God has done before because he's no respecter of persons and he will do it again for you. And if you have miracles in your own life, now I can look, God healed my throat, God healed my back, God healed my ankle. I can use those, those witnesses, those testimonies to fixate my heart in faith. Notice what he's saying here. If you shall say in your heart, those nations are more than I, how can I dispossess them? You see, we're going to talk about this probably next week. You, you may, your situation may look so bad in the natural realm that you are tempted to doubt, that you are tempted to fear, that you are tempted to move out of the place of faith. So what does God tell you to do? What is one of the God prescribed medications 
for fear based on what you see in the natural realm. You remember, you remind yourself about what God has done before. All the people that God has healed, all the financial miracles that God has produced, all the military victories that God has produced. You remind yourself and you fix your mind on all that God has already done in your life and the lives of others. And that will help keep you in the place of faith. So we're going to run through the list briefly again to wrap it up here. But look, I just want you to know, I've been there. We, we've probably all been there, you know, where you've prayed and you haven't yet seen the physical manifestation of the answer to your prayer. And that's not the easiest situation to be in. And depending on the situation, it might be very hard. But your job is to stay in the place of faith. Your job is to believe that it's done. So you keep confessing your promise. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You labor to enter the rest. You confess that promise. You hear that promise. You boldly declare that promise over your life. No, I am healed. No, the money is here. The job is here. The situation is here. My kid is saved and walking in God's perfect plan for his or her life. You speak your faith. Great is the peace of my children. That's the Bible verse from Isaiah. You speak your face and you labor to enter into that rest. Because when you feel that peace that passes all understanding, that keeps your heart and your mind, you know you're in faith. You know the power of God's flowing. I'm thanking God. So I spend time confessing my verse, keeping myself in the place of faith, thanksgiving. I'm going to spend real time in thanksgiving, thanking God that it's done. I'm going to spend real time in worship. Knowing that worship activates the power of God in the unseen realm. Knowing that what I'm trying to do is I'm seeing the power of God come out of the unseen spiritual realm into the natural seen realm and affect the answer to my prayer. Worship plays a big part in that. Worship opens a channel. Thanksgiving worship. And I'm going to be praying in the spirit. I'm going to be praying in my prayer language. I'm going to be letting the Holy Spirit of God intercede for me through my mouth, according to God's perfect will, praying the perfect prayer. And I'm going to uh, pray in the spirit and I'm going to sing and worship in the spirit. And while I'm doing that, I, anything I sense the devil's trying to do, I'm going to be fighting against him. I'm going to be resisting the devil because if I resist him, he'll flee. And I'm going to pray, God, how can I resist? What's the right way to resist? What's the right thing to do here? And anything God tells me to do, I'm going to do. Oh, you feel you don't feel good? Resist what the devil's doing. Get up and clean the house. Get up, take the dog for a walk. You feel the devil's trying to steal your money? Even if it's just a few bucks, even if it's just something, even if it's two mites, even if it's just something small, make a donation. Call a friend, take somebody to coffee, do something small just to resist what the devil's doing in your life and do whatever God tells you to do. It doesn't matter how crazy it sounds. The crazier, the better, right? I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do and I'm going to remember Everything that God has done in his word, everything that God has done for me, everything God has done for the other people in my life. You see, don't get the wrong idea. This isn't a checklist. Oh, I have to do all this stuff or I'm not going to get the answer to my prayer. No, don't think of it that way. That's not the point in this message. I just want to give you some helpful 
guidance, some helpful pointers that when you are waiting for manifestation, these are wonderful things that you can do to keep the channel open in the spirit realm, to keep yourself in faith, to keep yourself in peace, knowing that your manifestation will show up. Because remember, God wants you to see the answer to your prayer in the natural realm more than you do. So guys, I love you. I hope this helps. And as always, I'll just end by saying, you know, uh, I've got time. You, you need something, you you reach out to me. You call me, DM me. I'm a lawyer. You can look me up on the Florida Bar website. My contact information is not hidden. Uh, you know, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to pray with you. I'm happy to talk to you. God bless you. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you again.